I on here, James? Yep. Awesome. Good morning. Good to see you all. Welcome. And it's great to uh, to be together again. I just want to follow up on a couple of things that Anna was saying there. So on the on the online services, um, as Anna was saying, that's a pause for now. We we really believe that's been an incredible way to connect with so many people, uh, those who uh, have never really connected with Jesus before. We had a lot of people respond through that online medium. And so that's, God willing, not a never, but it's just a let's, let's pause, let's see the best way to do that and, and ask that, um, that God would lead us as a church because I think that is still a, a wonderful way for us to be able to connect. So be praying about that. Um, the other thing that Anna talked about was the series that we're starting. And that's what I really just want to spend a few moments talking about before we jump into it. So we've, we're going to start over these next few, well, actually from now till Christmas, okay, basically, we're going to look at just five chapters in the book of John. John chapter 13 through to John chapter 17. And you may remember if you were here a couple of years ago, we actually looked, went through the whole book of John. So you might be saying, well, why are we doing it again? Well, we've been on a really interesting journey, I believe, as a church over these last few months. And one of the things that the leadership team, the, the staff, the elders, the, um, just the wider you know, leadership group here at the street has been really seeking the Lord on is, God, are we truly a disciple-making church? Are we really doing all that we could do individually and together as the body of believers to grow disciples of Jesus Christ? And, you know, if we looked across a whole bunch of stuff, we would say, you know what? And I think every church could say this, right? We've got a long way to go in some areas. We're doing better in others. But one of the things that we really believe is that Jesus has some deep truths to talk to us about. And we find them in these chapters, John 13 to 17, about what it means to live an uncommon life, a life that truly follows Jesus. And so a few weeks ago uh, at Nick and Sarah's house, Nick and Sarah, if you don't know them, they're um, senior pastors here at the street, and uh, Nick's speaking out at the East Congregation today. So he said to, to pass on his greetings. They'll, they'll uh, as you know, they're, they're taking more of a role now of, of I guess, really um, discipling all of the different leaders across the, the congregations and really just seeking the Lord uh, for, for the wider um, street church. But one of the things we did with them a few weeks ago is the elders and the, the, the staff leadership team came together at their house for a Saturday afternoon. And we did three things. The first thing we did for the first hour as we got there and Nick said, what we're going to do, guys, is we're just going to read scripture. And we started in a big circle and we just started reading John 13 to 17. And one person would read a paragraph, then the next person, then the next person. And we didn't say anything. We just read scripture. And then when we got to the end of John 17, Nick said, right, turn to the book of Acts. And we went to the book of Acts, and we just started at chapter 1, and we just started reading. I don't know how many chapters we read. It went on for a while. But we read, and we read, and we read. And at the end of that, Nick just said, right, we're not going to talk. We're now just going to pray. And just let's just pray over the next hour of what has God been saying to you? What have you been hearing through the Word? What is he talking to us about as a church? And let's just pray into that. So we just prayed and we listened and we prayed. And then at the end of that, we spent another hour and we just went around the, the leadership teams of each congregation and we just prayed over each congregation and over that leadership team again just to say, God, we've heard your word. We've been trying to listen. Lord, bless your church here at the street that we may be a blessing to the world. And so out of that has come this, um, this sense of, we want to just dig back into John and we want to do this series called Uncommon, 
with a real heart that would say, God, speak to every one of us individually and speak to us as a body that we may truly say, Lord, we want to be uncommon in this world. We want to be disciple makers and disciples of Jesus. So what does that mean? So I'm going to just stop and, and pray and, <clears throat> and ask that God would speak to us and that we would really learn what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ, an uncommon follower. Okay, so let's pray again for a second. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, this is powerful truth. Because, Jesus, you are truth. And, Lord, I, I pray this morning, Lord, I really, I really ask that people wouldn't listen to James, God. I pray, Lord, please let them hear you. Anything of me that's just me, let it fall to the ground. And may we hear the words of God this morning, Lord, through your scripture. So open our hearts, open our ears to hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 13, if you've got a Bible, turn to that, please, with me in your, on your phone or wherever it might be. And as we start this series, Uncommon, what I want to talk about today is an uncommon love. And there's three things I want us to see in this passage today. It's this. We should be able to say to ourselves, if I have an uncommon love, I will firstly know who I am. Secondly, I will go low. And thirdly, I will acknowledge my need. Okay, so the first thing, if you have an uncommon love, I will know who I am, I will go low, and I will acknowledge my need. John chapter 13 verse 1 says this, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So these next five chapters that we're going to look at, this is all in that time just before Jesus goes to the cross. Okay? Probably the next day, if the timing is right, this is this is probably in the, the upper room where he has the Last Supper, which we now call communion. Okay? And he takes bread and he takes wine and he gives it to them and he says, Do this in remembrance of me in the years ahead. This is all happening at this time. And he says and he does some incredible things in these chapters. But I want you to just notice a couple of things in these first two verses. The first thing is this. Jesus knew that his hour had come. Do you know, have you ever thought about the fact that the Romans and the Jews, they weren't the ones that decided to crucify Jesus? Jesus knew that his hour had come. He allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed his life to be taken. That's the first point. The second thing is this, having loved his own who were in the world, his disciples and others who followed him, he loved them to the end. Do you know that word to the end, those words, a better way to say that is he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them to the full. And we see that the very next day when he goes to the cross and he dies on a cross, how much more could he show his love? Amazing, astounding, incredible, uncommon, <laughs> uncommon. So having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Well, how did he love them to the end? Well, you find it in these next few verses. Let's read verse 2 and 3. Now, when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. So Judas is there. He's one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot. He's already decided that he is going to betray Jesus and hand him over to the, to the, uh, the Jews and the, the Roman soldiers. 
And in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Now, this is incredibly important right here, okay? Because what Jesus is saying here, or what this verse is saying, is that Jesus realizes that he is the man, all right? He is it. He is God. He is the king of kings. He knows where he's come from. He knows where he's going to. He knows that his father has given him all authority. He is the king of kings. And so in verse four, it carries on and it says, so Jesus took his disciples. They went out to Jerusalem and they took authority from the Romans and they conquered the land. (laughs) Doesn't say that, does it? It says, so Jesus, knowing everything of who he was, just stop there for a second. If anyone was, was, could be any clearer, they couldn't be. Jesus was the clearest ever on who he was. He knew his identity. He was not mistaken that he was the king of kings. He was not mistaken that he was God come in the flesh. Do you know who you are? Do you know your identity? Because if we want to be an uncommon follower of Jesus Christ, we need to firstly understand who we are in him. We need to stop feeling like we're peasants and realize that if we are followers of Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the most high king. He knew it. He knew who he was. But the astounding thing is that in knowing who he was, he does something so different. And in verses 4 to 5, we read what happened. So he got up, or you could say, so knowing everything that he did about himself, knowing he was the king of kings, he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing. That outer clothing was, was like a sign of respect as a rabbi. He took off his cloak. They would have seen that as something that was him setting aside his glory, setting aside his authority and his his leadership. He put it to the side. He took a towel. He tied it around him. Next, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around them. This is incredible. This is astounding, man. Can you imagine being there? The king of kings gets down on his knees. He would have had to, to have washed the feet. These smelly, dirty, grimy feet. Do you know, if I had this sort of picture of Buckingham Palace, right, and a servant working there, and it's his first day on the job, and for some unknown reason, he's never actually met Prince William yet, okay? And he's in this, in this big ballroom that they have and he's, he's mopping the floors and he's thinking, man, I need some help. This is a massive job. And then he sees this person walk through in some track pants. He's at the end of the ballroom and he can't quite see who it is and he's never met William before anyway. And he thinks, oh, there's another servant, you know, calls out to him. Hey, you, Prince William turns around. Yes. Pick up a mop. I need some help here. Mandy, what do you think William would say? If I was him, I would have turned around and said, do you know who I am? And Jesus could have done that, right? He could have sat there and said, "Um, guys, there's a basin over there. My feet are dirty. Clean them. 
He could have said, do you know who I am? But instead he said, I know who I am. And so I'm going to serve you. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. We'll come back to that. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. (laughs) Peter, if you don't let me serve you, you can have no part in my life. If you don't let me become the servant and wash your feet, if you don't let me clean you, you have no part in me. Why did Jesus do this? Verse 12 to 17, we find out why. When Jesus had washed their feet, verse 12, and put on his outer clothing, so he put it back on again, he reclined again and he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example That's what he did. I've given you an example that you also, what, should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Do you know what I've done for you, disciples? Do you know what I've just done for you? Yes, I've washed your feet, but do you know what I've done for you? What I've done is I've shown you what true leadership is. What I've done is I've shown you what it truly means to be the greatest. What I've done is I've shown you that my kingdom is an upside down kingdom. We're the first to last and the last to first. And it goes completely in the face of what the world thinks. That's what I've done for you. I've given you an example. And if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you've got to flip your life upside down and you've got to do what I did. And not only that, you've got to do it for one another. Do you know why Jesus was washing their feet? Yes, to give them an example, but practically do you know why he was washing their feet? Well, the answer is because they hadn't done it themselves for one another. Ouch. You know, when you would come into a room like that in those days, you'd been walking in the streets all day, hadn't you? And you had your flip-flops on and, and there was donkey stuff all over the ground and there was food slops and there was mud and dust and, and your feet stunk to high heaven. And you came into those rooms and you might take your, your, your jandals off, but then you didn't just sit at a table and kind of cover your feet under the table. You reclined around a table. And if you reclined around a table, your feet were pretty close to someone else's face, wasn't it? And it stunk. And it was not a pleasant experience. Have you ever tried eating food when there's a really bad smell? It's not very nice. And so what would happen is there'd be a basin and a pitcher of water. And usually the lowest person in the household, the servant, would come and what? Would wash the feet of everyone, right? So that you could pleasantly have dinner together and you weren't walking all of the outside into the home. But for some reason on this day, no one had done that. Maybe there was no servant there. 
But because no one did it, Jesus did. And I wonder, you know, if some of the disciples had, had sort of reclined and, um, and they knew their feet were pretty smelly and they could smell the guy next to them, you know, and they were, you know, Peter might have been sitting there looking at John, giving him the eye, like, come on, you do it. There's no servant. You do it. And John's looking at Andrew. You do it. You know, Andrew, look at me. You do it. And none of them want to do it. And they might think to themselves, well, you know, maybe I could wash Jesus' feet, but if I wash his feet, one of my brothers might get a, get the idea that I'm going to wash his, and I'm not going there, right? Because I don't want to put myself lower down than the other one. You know, it's interesting. When you look in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter uh, one of them, 32, something like that, it says that um, in the same story, there was this discussion going on with the disciples. And it wasn't actually a discussion. It was a debate. It was a rigorous debate where they were fighting with one another about who was the greatest, right? This is in the same time. And I don't know if that was happening when they were reclined. But Jesus said to them, you read in Luke, he says to them, guys, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be like the youngest. You've got to be like the lowest. And so then he physically gets up, takes off his garment and washes their feet and says, guys, this is what it really means to be a leader. You want to be first, you've got to be last. You want to change the world, you've got to love that is in a way that is completely uncommon. You've got to follow the example of Jesus. You know, Napoleon said this of Jesus. He said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He said this, he said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ, he said, founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. The way of Christ is so uncommon. It's upside down. It's a way of love. And it's a way that is attractive. Some friends of ours in India, uh, I was talking with them uh, during um, the lockdown period a couple months ago, lockdown for us. They're obviously still going through an extremely hard time over there at the moment. And they work um, through a lot of the states of North India. And what they, um, what they were seeing was just, you know, the plight of humanity walking past their front doors. And uh, I don't know if you've been following some of the news in India, but it's just so distressing, um, some of the things that are going on there. Anyway, in one of, their, um, one of the states in North India where they have a, a house and they, um, they do some training and stuff there, they have suffered a lot of persecution. And right next door to them, one of their neighbors is a very high official. I think he's quite high up in the police. And he has really persecuted these guys a lot over the last few years. It's been extremely difficult. During this time, though, during the, the COVID period, these friends of ours have just been saying, look, you know, what can we do? We've, we've just got to serve people. And so they have been providing food to people. And this, um, this police officer um, official just started watching next door. And every day he would see this, these, these friends of our friends going out every single day with food and going out into the community and just knocking on, on doors, going to food lines and just serving and providing food. And and this police official just watched this day after day after day. And finally, it was, he, just, he just couldn't handle it anymore. He, he went, you know, went out of his house, went next door, and went and talked to these friends of ours and said, I've been watching what you've been doing, and I just can't deny that you're doing an amazing work, and how can I help? 
Do you know, this guy, this policeman started going with these friends of ours and going into houses and communities and knocking on doors. And he would go in there and say, hey, um, hi, you know, I'm just wondering if we can help. I'm here on behalf of the church. <laughs> That's what he would say. He was a Hindu man. He's been persecuting the church. He's not a follower of Jesus yet, but he's saying, I'm coming on behalf of the church because this uncommon love has won his heart. These people have gone so low to help their common men and women that has touched this man's heart and it's changing him. And I believe that that man, he's not over yet, right? I think God is just knocking on his heart and God's got his number because he's watched this uncommon love. And so if we want to live as uncommon people, as true disciples of Jesus, we've got to know who we are and we've got to be willing to go low. We've got to be willing to go low. But the third thing is this. An uncommon love also acknowledges our need. It acknowledges our need, our personal need. You know, Peter, in verse 8 to 11, what does he say? You will never wash my feet. You will never wash my feet, Jesus. I think he was finding this just too humbling. How could my leader, this rabbi, this amazing, how could he wash my feet? You'll never wash my feet. If I don't wash you, says Jesus, you have no part with me. You know, Peter needed Jesus to wash his feet. He needed to humbly admit that unless Jesus washed him, he was unclean. And he also needed to admit that he needed Jesus to do it. And of course, Jesus was physically washing his feet, but Jesus was saying a very spiritual thing here as well, right? There was a lot more going on here. And Jesus says it in these next things. He's saying, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Let me just explain briefly what's happening there. So Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, you are a follower of mine. I have made you clean. You are mine. I have washed you. It's like you've been given a bath. You are clean. That's it. You're clean. But even though you are mine and I have cleaned you, every day you're walking in this world. And Peter is just like me and just like you, that every single day we stumble, we fall, we mess up, we think the wrong stuff, we say the wrong things, we don't do something the way we should have. Whatever it might be, we get a bit dirty in our daily lives. And so Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, even you need me, Peter. Not just when you first came to know me and acknowledge me, but every single day you need me. And every single day, if we want to live the uncommon life, we need to remember every single day that we need Jesus to wash our feet. I was going for a walk around the block this morning, just praying and thinking about this time. And I just had to start by saying, Lord, wash me, wash my feet. How, God, would you want to wash my stinky feet? But I need you to. I need you to clean me today. I need you to clean me today. And you know, when we come to communion in a minute, the Bible tells us in Corinthians that when we come to share communion, we should remember that this is a holy moment because we're remembering that Jesus died and gave his life for us. And we shouldn't do that 
if we have a whole lot of crud in our hearts because we're kind of making light of what he's done. And so the Bible commands us to examine ourselves before we take communion each week and to say, God, is there an offensive way within me? And I, for me, there would be every single week. And we need to say, God, would you just wash my feet again? Before I take communion this morning, maybe you just need to say, Lord Jesus, wash my feet. And that's humbling, isn't it? Because they're a bit stinky. But the King of Kings is willing to go low and wash your feet this morning if you let him. But the second thing is he says to Peter, he says, you are clean, but there's someone in this group who's not. He was talking about Judas. And you know, Jesus went around every one of those disciples and he washed Judas's feet. Have you ever thought about that? The very man who was going to betray him that night, Jesus washed his feet, washed the grime out of his toes. But he still wasn't clean. Because every one of us, we can have a physical encounter with Jesus, but unless we're willing to allow him to change our lives and wash us from the inside out, we'll just be like Judas. We'll just have clean feet, but a dirty heart. And you and I need a clean heart first, and then every day we need clean feet. Has your heart been cleaned by Jesus before? Because I believe this morning that there's some of you in this room right now and you've never had your heart washed by Jesus. And you're a bit like that police officer in India. You're looking next door and you're seeing some amazing stuff happen and you're, you're getting your heart warmed by it. But you know what? That police officer at the moment, unless he gives his life to Jesus, he's just getting his feet washed a little bit. But his heart is still dirty. And if your heart is dirty, you can't have a relationship with the living God because he's pure and he's holy. But he wants to wash you this morning if you'll let him. If you'll let him. So, do you know who you are? Are you willing to go low? And are you willing to admit that you need God's help? You know, in John 15, we're going to get there in a couple of weeks, a few weeks, probably a couple of months actually. But John 15 is the centerpiece of these chapters because it talks about the vine and the branches. Jesus, the vine, we the branches. And you know, we're going to have some pretty sobering times, I think, over these months to come because these messages are challenging, aren't they, when we read into this. And if we come out of these weeks and we just simply say, right, I've got to pull up my bootstraps and I've got to try harder this week, I can guarantee you one thing, you'll fail. John 15 is all about the fact that we can't just pull up our bootstraps and keep going. But we have to dig into the vine. We need to dig into Jesus. We need to come humbly and say, God, I need you because I can't live in this world without you. I can't live this uncommon life on my own. But he wants to give you the power to live that uncommon life with him. Would you do that this morning? Would you take a moment and say, God, wash me. Maybe for the first time, God, give me a clean heart. Maybe for the millionth time, God, wash my feet before I come and take communion. And then maybe the last thing you just want to say is, God, where do you want me to go low this week? in my family, in my workplace, in my school, in my university, in my neighborhood. How do I go low this week? How do I be Jesus this week? How do I be 
and common this week. Let's pray.